Hey friends, welcome to Views with D. Dela Cruz, a podcast where I share the views of a girl just trying to make sense of the world. I'm Denise Dela Cruz, and I'll be sharing my views, plus also interviewing other people to get to know their views. So stay tuned for that. So this is the first episode of my podcast, and I had originally recorded this in late April of 2020. And as of today, it is July 5th, 2020. And I don't know about y'all, but the last two months were a total time warp and mind fuck. <laughs> and uh, as a, you know, person living in the United States, it's been even just a person living in the world, really, globally, this has been a really crazy time, and the last two months just flew by, and something very pertinent to what I had recorded in April happened, and that was the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, and so many more African-American people who had died at the hands of police unjustly, and that sparked a lot of nationwide protest and dissent and dissidents all this craziness that was long overdue in American history I actually participated in two Black Lives Matter protests one in a conservative town in Southern California and one in Los Angeles which is obviously like a liberal hub and I got to see the difference in the reaction to both protests and I just am glad that America's finally having this discussion. I think it was long overdue and only a few people were showing up to have this discussion and now everyone's being forced to talk about it, which I think is healthy. And I started thinking about this whole concept that came about in the aftermath of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the whole concept of defunding the police and delegating more funds to social programs instead. And I absolutely agree because I had recorded in late April about my experience working at a high school in San Bernardino and how completely underfunded it was in its operation, how mental health programs were non-existent to the most traumatized of students, how teachers and admin were jaded and overworked and underpaid and did not have the budget or the resources to handle the issues of the population they were supposed to be serving. And, you know, I've seen it firsthand how American schools are running off of nearly nothing. They're, you know, when I worked in San Bernardino, I had to scramble to find paper and pens for my high school students for the tutoring that I had to do for them. I struggled to find books that were, you know, current. Um, and it sucks because I felt like I was working at a school in a third world country almost. Um, and yeah, that may be the case because it was a school in San Bernardino and San Bernardino is hood as fuck. But no school in America should be depleted of resources and be running on fumes and basically be a dumpster fire because America is a superpower. America is extremely wealthy, if not the wealthiest nation in the world. What are we doing having schools that feel like third world country schools? 
I think it's an embarrassment that our education system has gone to shit when it used to be one of the best in the world. Our public school system is in dire need of funding, and I completely agree with defunding the police to regulate more funds into social programs, especially mental health programs, because I feel like that is a national crisis right now. Um, Anyways, I recorded this episode that you're about to hear in late April, and I just find it really interesting because it touches on so many aspects of American society that started to come into the national zeitgeist of conversation. And I just wanted to preface this a little with how I feel um, in terms of defunding the police and getting more budgets into our schools, into our mental health and social programs. And I think how all of that will directly impact in a positive way communities of color. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and take care everyone, especially with this virus going around. I have two friends who have tested positive, three friends, I'm sorry, who have tested positive with COVID-19 and are currently at home going through a very intense flu and I'm hoping they get out of it well. Uh, It sounds like it's just an intense flu for them and they're bouncing back pretty fast. I currently actually feel pretty stuffy and I'm having trouble recording this today. Um, You know, I'm just taking my vitamins, trying to get a little exercise in, trying to get my sleep, trying to do the best that I can, not going out this 4th of July weekend, stayed home, lit some fireworks and watched Independence Day with the family. Um, wearing a mask when I do go out, and I hope you guys are too. So take care, everyone, and without further further ado, here's my first episode of Views with D. Dela Cruz. Enjoy. And on this episode, I wanted to talk about schools in the hood. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I just finished serving an AmeriCorps year of service at a high school in San Bernardino. And if y'all know San Bernardino, y'all know the Dino's crazy. (laughs) It's pretty hood out there. It's nicknamed Dirty Dino for a reason. I actually stayed in San Bernardino for six months, but I stayed on the north side. Um, I was fortunate enough to have family who was living there at the time. And the north side's known as like the good side, I guess. And, um... I did a year service in a high school on the east side of San Bernardino, which is known as a little bit wilder. Um, I learned so much about the public school system and, you know, disenfranchised youth and how a zip code really can play a huge part in your future and, you know, how much resources you have. And I know everyone kind of knows this it's like common sense to know that if you live in a better neighborhood you're probably going to go to a better school and because you went to better schools you're going to get a better job and you're just going to do better in life but I wanted to explore why that is so when I told people that I was working at a high school in San Bernardino after they basically told me I was a saint for wanting to work in San Bernardino and with teenagers 
they would all ask me, so why can't these kids like seem to make it? Or why do hoods like San Bernardino exist? It was almost always posing the question of why are these people struggling? Like, what are they doing wrong for them to not be able to get out of their bad situations? Even these teenagers that I work with, it was almost like there was a lot of pressure and finger pointing to these communities in need rather than really diving in to see why they are in need. And I feel like if you're not willing to dive in to these communities to figure out why they're in need, then I don't think you have any right to finger point or blame them for not being able to figure it out like you have. And that's something that I've kind of come to terms with as I've been able to live in different neighborhoods across LA, OC, and IE. Some were lower working class neighborhoods, some were middle working class neighborhoods, and some were middle class to affluent neighborhoods. And I've been very fortunate to have stepped in different social economic classes throughout my life and I think because I've been fortunate enough to have so many experiences that are diverse like that I come with a different set of lenses to everything so when I started working at this high school in San Bernardino I put on my critical lenses and really learned a lot so I worked at an after-school program at this high school, and shout out to after-school programs because I really feel like they're one of the unsung heroes that keep, you know, at-risk kids out of the streets. Um, looking back on my own experience, I kind of always had an after-school program to go to, and when I didn't have an after-school program, I was lucky enough to have friends to kick it with that weren't that much of troublemakers. So while we did fuck around after school walking home and stuff, we weren't like doing crazy, crazy shit. And that wasn't the case for my cousins, you know. Um, my cousins unfortunately ended up in street life. And, you know, that's a whole path that totally exists for kids if they don't have things like after school programs or, you know, friends who aren't in that life or stuff like that. So shout out to after school programs. And I say that because the school I was at totally like treated us like some afterthought <laughs> and their investment was all into tutoring and like extremely academic things which is fine and all you know I get it I'm sure that's what is needed to you know satisfy state funding budgets and blah 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 but honestly like you talk about why can't these kids make it and you know these kids go to after school programs because it's a break from an institution that doesn't work for them. An after school program is about having fun, having enrichment, getting some tutoring when you can, but it's mostly like just recreational time and that's where we got a lot of the quote unquote problem kids or the bad kids from my high school. Um, and we hated saying that, but that's basically what they were seen as by their entire school, like the administrators, the teachers, even like the counselors and down to the janitors. They all were like, oh, those are the bad kids. They go to the after school program. And 
it sucks because these kids knew that they were the bad kids. Like they had heard it so much from other students in the school population. Even they feel the vibe, you know, like they feel that the whole school's like, ah, oh, you're a bad kid. Like I'm not even going to try. And I feel like that does a lot to a young person's confidence. And it almost makes you be like, well, fuck it. If everyone thinks I'm a bad kid, then hell yeah, I'm going to give you a bad kid. And that's definitely, I guess, the operational defiance that we saw in our students. And unfortunately, most of our students were African-American and they were completely pushed out by a school who decided that their Caucasian and Latino students were an easier demographic to serve, quite honestly. And it sucked because me and my coworkers would advocate so hard for our students because we saw that they just kept getting the shit end of the stick because they were seen as too much of a problem. And we would make all these requests for budgets and supplies and we would just be deemed as you're not worthy to get this budget or supplies because you guys don't know what you're doing with our hardest population that we have pushed onto you because we don't know how to deal with them. <laughs> and they would rather give their budget and supplies to like highly academic programs that were going on after school or um, sports programs that were, you know, I guess deemed as working. But it's like, all right, like all of your kids that are failing are at the same after school program. Like, wouldn't you see the value in that and boost up you know, the budget and the supplies that we're getting and the infrastructure. But we were kind of just left to be as babysitters to handle uh, a dumpster fire of students with emotional disturbances, extremely traumatic uh, households and upbringings. Some were homeless. Some were out in the streets trying to prove that they were something that they weren't really... And the school didn't know what to do with any of that. And neither did we. But at the very least, we didn't give up on these kids. And we showed up every day and listened to their stories and kicked it with them and got to know them. And I feel like that only happened because they knew this after school program was a fun zone. And so they got to know us and they got to open up with us and let us know everything of why they're failing in school, of why they're failing in their personal lives. And once that trust was established, we were able to make so much more progress with them. Um, like we were honestly making miracles happen. And it's because we didn't have the pressures of, oh, we need to tutor you and we need to be highly academic or highly athletic right now in order to be seemed or deemed as a worthy enough program. It's because we were just kicking it with these kids and being their, like, their mentors after school and we started suggesting things to them on what they could do and they'd run with it because for once in their life there was someone at their school that wasn't pressuring them to be something they weren't whether it was in academics or in athletics or whatever the fuck our institutional system deems as worthy they finally met people on their school campus that didn't think they were losers because of certain standards that exist it's crazy how much progress you can make in someone's life when you just take the time out to sit down with them and listen to what they're going through. And nobody in that high school really had the time to sit down and listen to their most fucked up kids to see what they're going through because 
they were too busy serving the kids that are decent or already high performing because those kids make them look good on the books and that's how you get your money and your budget is having good books and good test scores and good stats and all this crap. So I was able to see what was working for this high school in the hood and what wasn't working and where the holes were because I basically worked at one of their holes, the after school program. I mean, they saw us as trash and would constantly give us crap for not having well behaved kids and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, that is true. Our kids were really off the wall at first, but that's kind of what you have to go through to get their trust. It's kind of like some underwritten street code where they're going to give you hell to see if you're really down and once they see that you're really down then they open up to you and that's kind of what me and all my coworkers had to endure until we got to that sweet spot where it's like all right we got trust for each other now let's now let's you know let's make things really happen and we were able to get to that part and you know riding that crazy train is probably one of the best experiences of my life and doing it with my coworkers you know by my side was probably one of the best experiences of my life so shout out to AmeriCorps for that um but the grievances we had were mostly with the school administration and the nonprofit we worked with so the school admin would always give us crap because our kids were off the wall and they would curse and they'd play fight and they were high energy and we were supposed to like whip them into shape to be like the rest of the kids in the high school who were very reserved and submissive and quiet and do gooding do gooders I don't know and I mean I almost felt like that wasn't possible with our population like you really want us to like make these you know hype kids not hype anymore like they're 13 14 of course they're going to be super high energy of course they're going to you know dance and curse and do all this stuff and it really like I hate to say it but like it felt like the school didn't like that these kids were extremely themselves and it felt like if they could they'd probably just give them like a downer sedative to just chill them out and like have them listen enough to pass it in to be able to pass the test score it's a state test and unfortunately being that most of my kids were african-american it almost felt biased too like we'd always get like why can't they be like the other kids and it's like what do you mean by that like what are you you know like there was a lot of coded wording or coded uh, sentiment and all of my coworkers and i picked up pretty quickly that our school had a blind eye to their own biases about our students and what they should be and I mean most of the admin and teachers at my school were like middle-class white folks who were probably you know had good intentions but maybe weren't as culturally conscious as they should have been and if they weren't you know white folks they were Latinos who had gotten into the education industry and they were doing amazing work helping other Latino students, you know, climb up the educational ladder. But there was this cultural disconnect in helping African-American students. And what pained me is that there was only two or three African-American teachers at this school. And the African-American students really like clung on to those um, teachers as 
I think only one or two were teachers. The other one was a sub. So she wasn't credentialed. So they had limited representation in their school. And then you're getting asked by the schools, why are the why are these kids failing? You know, it's on them. Like they they don't act right, therefore they don't do right. And that's why they're failing. And it's like, no, dude, look at your school. Like your school is mostly white or brown admin and teachers and they only seem to know how to help their white and brown students unfortunately and I say this as you know a light-skinned Latina like it is what it is and that's how I saw it everyone saw it even the kids would see it they would always joke around with me and my coworkers about how we only had one black guy in our team and (laughs) they all really like got around to getting to know us but it's just it's life-changing when you see representation in fields of authority and it makes you feel like okay well I am allowed in this field I am allowed a seat at the table I mean that's how it felt as a brown girl you know growing up in Whittier, I look back and realize that I had a very fortunate upbringing where I went to one of the best school districts in Southern California that serves low income and uh, Latino students. And, you know, I was so fortunate to be able to grow up in those in that school district in that neighborhood. And I really hit me that even though it was working class and there did have its rough edges, it was nothing compared to San Bernardino. It was nothing compared to the challenges that, uh, you know, my black students have to face in a school district that is already challenged. So I say this loudly, we need more black educators, black teachers, black administrators, black guidance counselors, black tutors, black substitute teachers. We need more representation for the sake of my black students. I can only offer so much as a Latina with a bachelor's degree. And while they appreciated me and I appreciated them, there was definitely something that I just couldn't do and offer them. And that was black representation you know, point blank, period. And I think it takes a lot to be able to look in within yourself and know that you want to offer so much to people, but that there is just certain things that you cannot offer um, no matter what. And, you know, I'm not going to cry about it and say, but I mean so well and I have such good intentions. I know that I do, but at the end of the day, I'm lacking what my kids need and it'd be a disservice for me to ignore that and to pretend like that's not happening because then my students don't get what they need you know what I mean another thing my students really needed is fucking therapy (laughs) so how are how are we like in 2020 with you know living in the world of coronavirus and we don't have therapy in our schools and this is something I thought guidance counselors did but I met with the guidance counselors at my schools and they would kind of just refer problem students out to social workers or to I guess like county psychological programs but there's no therapist at the school and most of my kids were going through extremely traumatic 
uh, events in their lives, whether it be homelessness, abusiveness in the household, sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, the street lifestyle, so much crap. I, I don't even want to get into it, but my kids were going through so much and of course they're acting out in class of course they're not doing their work because they're fucking depressed they're anxious they're traumatized where are the therapists at yo like this guidance counselor telling you how to get into college and how to get a job isn't really cutting it like where i thought they were supposed to be well versed in social emotional issues and therapy but every guidance counselor i talked to seemed to kind of just do referrals out like refer out the kids to i don't know county services and I feel like that's just too much, too many damn referrals, too many middlemen, like get a therapist on site. And I know there was a school psychologist at the school who I saw a couple of times, but from my understanding, all that guy did was like refer these kids out or like deem them like you have this, so you should take these pills. You know what I mean? Like what I can you know, take a stamp to something and just mark it that doesn't make the issue or the problem go away. So I was, you know, a little disappointed in how our public school system hasn't seemed to gotten uh, to the point where we have therapists on site or like, you know, more social emotional programs, because that's really what these kids need. Like, how do you expect these kids to be able to pass a class or do well in an athletic program or whatever if they can't even get their head right you know they're going through so much lived trauma every day you know you you don't ask somebody to be able to be on their best and most productive you know behavior when they have so much crap going on and it's unfair it's it's really unfair and you know that's something that I think is lacking a hundred percent Um, not just in schools in the hood, but even in affluent schools, even in middle-class schools. You know, you see stories about active shooters and deranged students or kids who were just off their meds and went crazy and shot up a school. We need therapy. Kids need therapy. Everyone needs therapy. And we need to have a better way to access therapy that's faster, more affordable, and more on-site because our kids are dying. Like, they're literally killing each other because they're so unwell or they're killing themselves suicide was a huge thing I had a few suicide watches that you know I had to experience in my school year at San Bernardino and you know that is an issue that goes you know hits across all types of socioeconomic households and school districts you know what I mean so the number one thing Aside from, you know, representation, um, something that would better serve all students, no matter what their race, creed or class is, is therapy. We need therapists. We need more of them. And the more therapists of color, the more therapists with cultural consciousness and less bias, the better. And just to focus on the positives to wrap this up, because I feel like I've been ranting now, is my students in San Bernardino have lived through so much probably lived in the most fucked up neighborhood in San Bernardino and have had one of the roughest childhoods anyone could have but they were so damn kind and so damn loving it's crazy because I probably got called a bitch by like three or four different female students but they ended up being some of my favorite students once I got to like 
gain their trust. And, you know, when working in schools in the hood, trust is not given, it is earned. (laughs) And I learned that the hard way and I had to earn it the hard way, especially with my students who grew up with that same mentality and who had rough and tough upbringings. So hell yeah, they're going to make you earn and work for their trust because they're so used to getting let down, even by people who aren't supposed to be the ones letting them down. So who are you, a stranger, going to demand their, you know, demanding their trust just because you're an authority figure of some sort? Respect is earned, not given. And that's something I definitely learned in Eastside San Bernardino. Thanks to my kids, my kids were some of the most loving and kind-hearted kids deep down. I cannot tell you how many times me and my coworkers would leave our cell phones or our laptops out, our laptops out, MacBooks, Apple iPhones, even Androids, Samsungs, whatever. We would leave our devices out and none of our kids would ever touch it. It would always still be there. It's crazy because I went to a school that was, I guess, kind of middle class. And I know for a damn fact, if you left out your iPhone for a few seconds, that shit was getting swiped. (laughs) And here are my, you know, my kids from a super rough neighborhood in the Dino. And they wouldn't touch your stuff. They would totally leave it. There was definitely a code that was followed. But yeah, I definitely learned that these kids probably have some of the sweetest hearts because they're so ready to love and to give because they've lacked that their whole life. They've lacked healthy love. They've lacked healthy structures of that sort. So once you do, you know, get through the rough and tough edges, there's so much love for them to give to you. And it's it's amazing. It's so inspiring. And it makes me want to advocate for these kids even more because I know they're talented You know, I met a girl who was deemed special ed and emotionally disturbed. She was so damn smart, yo. But she just had an issue with anger and outburst. And it's unfortunate because I really feel like she could solve cancer. Like any high tech thing we'd give her or a really strategic game we'd play, she was always up on top of everything. Like she would figure it out like in seconds and strategize like crazy. And I would even tell her, I'm like, I really think you could probably solve cancer. Like so you could find the cure for cancer. <laughs> but without the resources and the support that she needs, you know, who knows? You know, she needs a holistic therapist, not just someone that's going to place her on a case and give her you know whatever she needs a school system that doesn't deem her too much of a problem and a waste of resources and time because they'd rather you know just stick to what keeps giving them a safe budget so there's a lot of things going on and there's a lot of things you know to fix I've proposed a few solutions you know in this little rant that I've had and I heard a great quote one time that went don't complain if you don't have solutions and that's definitely something I'm trying to live by now and you know shout out to everyone in San Bernardino I won't say which high school I worked at because it's really could be any high school in the hood um but if y'all know San Bernardino and if y'all know the east side I'm pretty sure you know which high school I worked at (laughs) anyways um 
I hope my students are doing well. I hope they're safe. I know there's a huge equity problem with education right now, and the coronavirus has definitely like put a big spotlight on that. So I hope they figure that one out too. But I wasn't really there. Um, I got furloughed because of the coronavirus, and um, don't worry, I bounced back. I got a job somewhere else that I will talk about probably later. Um, but I really hope my students are doing well and the teachers and the admins, um, they're probably burnt out. So getting to work from home is probably good for them. That's another thing. A lot of these teachers and admins were so burned out and kind of jaded and I don't even blame them. I think we need to support them better. And um, I didn't really work with them that much, so I can't really advocate for what they need. But I could see from their tired faces that they they need something. <laughs> so shout out to them too. I know it's it's not hard basically educating and ra helping raise um, adolescents, especially ones from troubled neighborhoods. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed my first go at a podcast and, you know, subscribe, follow, like. I don't know how to, <laughs> is that what people say? Um, there's more to come. So peace out, y'all.